second chapter got a word for somebody today Joel 2 and 25 through 32 so I will restore to you the years I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten the crawling locust the consuming locust the chewing locust my great army which I sent among you you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt wonderfully with you my people shall never be put to shame then you shall know that I am the Lord in the midst of Israel I am the Lord your God and there is no other my people shall never be put to shame it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams any old men in the house can I get an amen and your young men shall see visions any young men in the house young young daughters young women and also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and I will show wonders in in the heavens and in the earth blood fire and pillar of smoke the Sun will be turned into darkness the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord it shall come to pass that whoever whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls I want us to look here as we see a portrait in the book of Joel how that you have the four stages of a locust we in the West we don't see this other than maybe on National Geographic or something if we happen to look it up but but the truth is in the Horn of Africa right now and in recent years this phenomenon this devouring of resources still takes place today in fact even as recent as 2018 I believe and even beyond and we see that one square mile you could have 40 to 80 million locusts 40 to 80 million locusts and they can eat their body weight in a day they can devastate there's been reports that they have bulldozed over areas of Kenya 25 miles long and 37 miles wide that would blanket the city of Paris 24 times swarms of locusts can come in and devastate entire regions one man said you could walk out into a into a lush green field in the morning and by the time the locusts finish by evening everything is color behavior the, the flying locusts uh, 
the ones that are not reached maturity yet, they, they can't reach quite as high as the other, but, you know, they start devouring. They, they'll eat the bark off a tree. All the way down to the very smallest locusts, the nymphs, will damage the root system of plants, of trees, of vineyard. So could you imagine as people walk outside and they look and all the effort that went into that field, all of the, the resources that went into that field in order to produce life. Where plants is what produce oxygen on earth. Once those plants are gone, could you just imagine that the breath is taken out of the situation? Such complete devastation. I will restore the years. Oh, I say to you this morning, I have watched eyewitness of the Lord doing that very thing in my own personal life. How that he's restored my childhood through allowing me to have children. He's restored uh, the, the motherhood uh, the, uh, by marrying a woman who became the idyllic individual to be the, the person that I would want my children to be raised by. To have given me a, a father in the faith who has, I have been closer to than my own natural father. How God takes in what was seemingly lost for years and years of effort, years of toil, years of labor, years of longing, years of wanting, and God recompense and put it all back. So look at my children and my children's children, and I see the faithfulness of God. See the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. See what was so undeserving, but God has given in abundance. And I'm here to say to someone today that the word of the Lord for you this moment, in this hour, is that He restores the years. Some of you have lived your Christian walk in the last decade, regretting the two previous decades. You've lived believing that you've been too far gone and no God has saved you. He, how in the world can he possibly recompense you for the loss? How can he possibly put back what was, what was either given up, forfeited, or stolen from you? But he promised. He promised in his word. 
This is a promise for you today. I will restore. I'll restore. I will make. I love this. That word literally, word literally means restitution. I'm going to give you restitution. You lost the years, I'm going to give you years. You've lost the joy, I'm going to, I'm going to bring restitution to your life. This is not a fairy tale, folks. This is fact. It's just the word of the Lord. And he's saying to someone this morning, you thought it was too far gone. You've been carrying this weight. In fact, if you treated others the way you treat yourself, you'd be reported and picked up, locked up. It's time that you release yourself from your own whipping post. It's time for you to drop your own cat of nine tails and the rods that you keep beating yourself with. You should have known better. You knew better. You still did it. You were a failure. You were a loss. And I say to you, no. I say to you, God is going to bring restitution to you. I love the Word of God. I don't know where I would be without the Word of God. I don't know how I could function without knowing the promises that are in this book. This, this letter that the Lord, this, this book that God has written to his people that is transcends generations and nations. It can go into any population and you can bring the Word of God and the power of God's Word and you can begin to live according to God's Word and it'll transform every individual in that place. And it'll also bring offense to those who are not walking in it. We had a dear lady and a friend. She lived early eight days of her marriage in Indonesia, spirit-filled woman of God. And she would go in, in, in into her bathroom and she would write scriptures in English on her mirrors. Anytime that you step out, and we don't understand this in the Western world, but in the Eastern world, if you have resources and you don't share those resources by offering employment to others, then you are considered a greedy, stingy person because you have resources, but you don't allow people the benefit to come in and to glean from those resources. So she had non-English speaking individuals come to her house to clean and to do odd jobs. They would come back to her, and the one that would speak broken English, she would come and she would say, Mom, Mom, those writings on the mirror, they are offensive. Those writings on the mirrors, they bother us. She said, you can't even read them. How are they bothering you? I don't know, but they bother us, all of us. There is power, folks, in the Word of God, Amen. Because the promises of the Lord are yea and amen. And you can take them and throw them on nothing, jump out there and stand on them, and they will not move. I'm restoring the years to you. 
God is speaking to individuals right now, whether they're listening online or whether they're sitting in this room or they're going to get a recording of this message. They are going to hear, I am restoring. I am putting back. I'm replacing the years that have been lost to you. Years of your childhood, the years of your despair, the years that you have lived in bondage, the Lord is setting free. It's a promise to Israel, it's a promise to us. It was fulfilled in Israel, but oh, so much more, it's been restored to us. As Andrew was teaching on types, and we do so much about types, I want to I talk to you this morning about, about some types and the we see that there was, when you look in the Word of God, you'll see occurrences that take place. You see an occupation of an elevated room called the upper room. We'll see the church there at Passover. We see the church there at Pentecost. But that's not the first upper room that we see in the Word of God. You see in the, in the book of, of Kings, you see that Elijah occupied an upper room and also Elisha occupied an upper room. In both occurrences, there were one, Elijah was in a Gentile region. Elisha was in a Jewish region. Both occurrences, there was a loss of a child In both occurrences, these children were placed in these upper room. Both children were resurrected. Gentile and Jew. Gentile and Jew. We're talking about types right now. And Elijah, he, he, he spread over the child. The Lord brought the life back into the child, the child raised. Nothing the child did, deserving of death, the child just died. And Elisha, he's there. Same thing happens. He raises that child from the dead. He stretches out just like Elijah had Elisha stretched out, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand. We see something change that day. That child got up. So, seeing the word of the Lord, how that the day of Passover, they were there with the Passover lamb, the disciples were. Where were they at? They were in the upper room. The Lord said, you're sharing the bread and the, and the, and the drink, and this is the emblems of the new covenant there is a paradigm shift a paradigm shift that's taking place see when you have a paradigm shift you see differently eye to eye you speak differently your vocabulary is different the work that you're involved in your hands they're different 
Elisha's day, Elijah's day, there was a resurrection of innocence. In Elisha's day, there's a resurrection of innocence. And now, at the time of Passover in the upper room, we're not supposed to miss those things. We're supposed to understand that we're going to see differently. We're going to speak differently. We're going to operate differently. Gets a little better. There was a, another upper room that we see. That was in Acts 2, and we'll talk about that in a little bit further detail in just a moment. But in Acts 2, where were the disciples after Jesus had resurrected? Forty days he was upon the earth witnessing to them, speaking to them. But then he said, I need you to go and wait in Jerusalem. Where did they wait? They waited in the upper room. So they're in the upper room. You've met the, the Passover lamb as they partook with the Passover lamb. But he said, I must needs go because if I don't go, I can't send back the, the one who's going to bring the power and the revelation. And so there's a paradigm shift that took place and they were able to walk in that for 50 days they're not living under the law because the law has been fulfilled because every sacrifice has pointed to the one and only sacrifice how does this pertain to restoration we're gonna find out in a minute but there's a paradigm shift that took place you don't act like you used to act you don't behave like you used to behave and now at Pentecost paradigm shift we barely got our feet wet with walking in this new birth of creation when God breathed upon Jesus breathed upon his disciples and now they're they're walking they're, they're, they're not who they were anymore they're seeing oh my god there is Christology I look through the lens and everywhere even the disciples on the road to Emmaus they discovered every book and passage in the in the old covenant was pointing to Jesus because he was declaring to them paradigm shift it stands to reason that if there's we met the son at Passover we met the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and there's a third of the Godhead who we know to be true and visible through the son because if you see the son you see the father and we understand the the spirit reveals the son to us so he's revealing the father but there is a there is a, a, a meeting that's going to take place because there's another feast left to be fulfilled feast is called the feast of ingathering and I believe with all of my heart soul and mind that the Father the Son and the Spirit have invited us to another paradigm shift that we need to step up and step up step up step up church to the dimension and the paradigm that God has called you and I to be about the Father's business because the Father is interested thought ran through my mind and actually landed yesterday sometimes I feel like squirrel, squirrel. young men shall see visions the vision is yet for an appointed time old men will dream dreams what do old men dream about? Of being young? No. <laughs> That's a good answer, though. <laughs> it's not just old men. Maybe the, the wisdom of the author knew not to be 
you can call men old, but it seems to be a slam when you call women old. But you're included in that. It really was pronounced, Robin Mike Don, at Mary Jo's funeral by her desire of all her life, wanting her children and her children's children and her children's children's children and her children's children's children. To know Christ. What do old men dream about after the Spirit comes upon them? It's not a longing for their youth because there's a longing for a city that they haven't seen yet. There's, an, there's, a, there's a meaning that's going to take place in the air, but oh, even if we don't make it to the end of this generation before Christ comes, there's a dream that we have. There's a desire that we have. It is for our children to come to know Christ. That's what I dream about. It's not bigger houses and greater wealth. It is the glory of the living God transforming the nations and generations. What do we dream about? We dream about our kids knowing God. Back to the upper room that we see in Elisha's day. There was a woman, had a son. It seems that her and her son are there, and he forewarns them there is a there's a famine coming on the land. Pack your stuff and go. So she packs up and leaves. After the famine is over, after the seven-year cycle had ended, she shows up and she's heading to the king's house. She's going to the to the palace. She's going to make petition to the throne. And lo and behold, here's Gehazi having a conversation with the king. And he's wanting to know about this great prophet Elisha. He's wanting to know about the miracles. Well, let me tell you one of the greatest miracles that we saw happen in an upper room. That great miracle in the upper room and this child raised from the dead and, and now here comes walking and he said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. It's been seven years, she hadn't changed that much and the boy's grown, but my God, right there they are. Just so happened they walked into the room at the very moment that the story was being told. You think that was a quinky dink? A coincidence? No. And this was the, this is what the king said. Restore all that was hers. Are we, are we, are you getting this yet? Are you, are you getting this yet? I will restore the years. Restore all that was hers. But not just that. I want to bring some restitution. I want you to, all the proceeds of her field from the day that she left the land until now. What is that? The years of restitution. 
make sure she receives the sum total of all of that. Oh, stop focusing on the waste. We understand the hurt and the harm, and we understand the, the, the pain of that. I, and I'm, I'm not talking about those that are processing through grief right now. I'm, what I'm saying to you is there is times in my childhood where I could have been mourned in regret the days that I had lost and the life that I had lost. And yes, I went through the grieving process when my father put a 38 revolver to his head, pulled the trigger, and ended his life. My hero, the one I wanted to be the most like, I was going to drive trucks with my daddy I wanted to be with my daddy I wanted to know and I was so angry with him and said why in the world would you check out on me now when I needed you the most you selfish man but God's put back God is put back God has restored those years to me. He's put it back. I'm not going to get into the bitter details of my tragedy called childhood. But I want to say to you, God put back the years. Why? Because he had it set aside he has, he has inheritance set aside for you. He, he has designated that this is your gift. It belongs to you. This is what I want you to have. And all those years that you lost, put them back. Restoring. Let's carry this thought further just a little bit. Are you still with me? Now, Restored all that was lost, and we see another story that took place before this story. There was a king who, who refused to follow the Lord, and kingdom was taken from him and given to another. That kingdom was given to David. Because of that man's choice, King Saul, all of the what he had on earth was destroyed, but we see here's David and he's taking the throne. Second Samuel 9 and 7 13. He said, David said to him, Mephibosheth, because David went out, the king went out looking to bless someone. Because David had made a covenant with Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king went out. See, the king restored the, uh, the woman there that Gehazi was talking about. And now the king, another type. We see another type of Christ. We have a king, and the king is looking for someone to restore. He's looking for someone to put back what rightfully belongs to them. He's looking for somebody in this room today that say, I want to give you back the years that you lost. I don't want you to continue in regret. I want you to continue in shame. I want to put it back. I want to put the covenant love and your marriage. I want to put it in your children. I want to put it in your grandchildren. I don't want just you to have it. I want it to flow not only to you. I want it to flow through you. I want you to be a blessing so that I can bless people through you. We said, is there anybody 
Come on, just bring me somebody I can bless. I know uh, there's a young man, his name is Mephibosheth, and he can't, he, he's crippled in his legs because the, the nursemaid, uh, she, she fell upon him and broke his legs, and now he can't, he can't move on his own anymore. Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson, go get him and bring him in here. And here's Mephibosheth, and maybe it took him a little bit of time, but he, he fell down and he said, who am I, a dog that you would even consider me? And he said, I'm going to restore you, Mephibosheth. I'm not just going to restore you. I'm going to give you a house, and I'm going to give you servants, and they're going to go out, and they're going to glean the field. It belonged to your, but your father and your family, and now I'm going to give it back to you. It is yours. And now Ziba and his 15 sons, I believe it was, they're going to go out and they're going to reap the harvest for you. You don't have to do anything but acknowledge and sit down at my table. Sounds a whole lot like something else you and I have received called salvation. Nothing we could do to earn it. But oh my God, we are glad to sit at the table and see that the Lord is good. And oh my God, I have tasted and I have seen that God Almighty wants to bless humanity. Not because they deserve it. Because the heart of the king is to keep covenant. We talk about generational Curses, My God, we need to talk about a God who keeps generational blessings because he's a God of covenant. Maybe it took Mephibosheth a little bit of time to stop looking at himself as a dog. I believe, folks, if you're going to be a man and woman of faith, you've got to stop calling yourself what the world has called you. You've got to stop calling yourself what, the, what the, your past has said you are, and you need to start identifying yourself with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. He has paid desperately for your salvation to bring you in to a covenant to sit you down at the table so that you can reap a harvest that you didn't earn that you don't deserve but he willingly and wantingly wants to give to you I'll restore the years I'll restore the years how's God going to bring this restoration about we found the answer to that in Ephesians until the redemption of the purchase possession Praise of his glory. Sealed. Sealed. It means to be secured. It means a mark upon a thing. This is the, this is the definition as it comes directly out of the, of, the, of the Greek language. In order to mark a person or thing, hence to set a mark upon them by the impression of a seal or a stamp. For what reason? In order to prove and to confirm, it is to attest a thing, to authenticate it beyond any possible doubt. So we're sealed by the Holy Spirit that we have received an inheritance that God wants to bestow upon us. A restoration fully restored 
from all that we lost, not just in the moment, but all of the years that have been ravished by sin and devastation, by destruction and grief and guilt, all of the things that devoured for the decades that would be likened into a locust. God has recompense. He has restored by the power of the Holy Spirit. So to ensure that you believe that I believe that I want to bless you in the blessing that I'm going to bless you with. I've been reading Dr. Seuss to my grandchildren, so y'all hang with me. I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to be the guarantee and the guarantor. Also can be translated earnest. Anybody ever sold a house? Anybody ever bought a house? Well, they ask you, they ask you for the earnest. The earnest. Earnest money. That's exactly what it means. Money which in purchases is given as a pledge that the full amount will subsequently Earnest is the term that Paul uses in the church at Ephesus because he's speaking language they would understand. It's even understood here today. I'm going to give you earnest, and I have found that the greater the earnest money given, the greater the intent of the buyer. That you get a small earnest, and those are usually the ones that back out and you give them the earnest back. But the ones that say, I, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to prove to you I'm going to buy it. I understand it's a, it, it, it's a large sum of money, but I'm going to give you a large sum as earnest to say the intent that I have for your inheritance and your redemption, not just in the life to come, but the life you're living. And so I'm going to put it down as an affirmation, confirmation. You can take it however you want. You can put whatever shun on the end of it, but you need to understand, you need to shun doubt and receive the revelation of what I'm doing right now because when God sent his spirit back he sent the spirit of God back into our hearts to declare to us we are no longer foreign born we are no longer alienated in a way we just like the Lord brought a new paradigm to the Gentiles he brought it to the Jews we see differently we speak differently we walk differently how can we do that where does the restoration come Joel tells us the book of Acts tells us this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And I will pour my spirit out upon your manservants and upon your maidservants. Oh, you know what the beauty of that right there is? See, we've all, the, the Old Testament prophets and kings, priests, and, and, and prophets were anointed. We see repetition as people were filled with the Spirit of God. It was for a specific task that they were anointed. But the Lord said, this anointing is not for a select few because I have something important for all to do. This is not just set aside for a select number who carry an assembly of God preacher's card in their wallet. Not just the one standing behind the pulpit or standing behind a, 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 occupying the office of a teacher. 
He said, I'm going to pour my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. From the front door to the back door. My people need to understand you do the work of God with the power of God. Oh, I love the description of God's word and the inheritance we received that started 2,000 years ago with the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's a rushing mighty wind that began to blow through that building. And the, where they were at in that upper room, it filled the room. How do you fill the room with air? I don't know. I don't know. Was it a tornado? Think about it. Was it a whirlwind? Was it just a swirling around of the, of the wind of God as they were there listening? I don't know how it happened, but it filled the room. That same room, that same wind. As the Bible tells us, uh, that wind and spirit and breath are, are, are synonymous. They are, they are the same. But they can be used interchangeably in the Word of God. But we see the Spirit uh, is represented in Scripture as the wind. Giselle, I know I'm, so, I'm sorry. I get so far ahead of you. I can't. Please forgive me. I, I just give them, the, give them the best you can, okay? She's back there translating right now, and I, I just can't. I just got to get it in, okay? The wind. It's the same wind that parted the sea. It's now filling up that room to allow the children of Israel to come through. It was the wind that brought the provision in the wilderness. It was the very wind that bore witness to David that it's time to enter into battle because the Spirit is going ahead of us. It's that wind that began to blow in that upper room. It's the same wind, the wind of the Spirit. It was the wind of the Spirit that Ezekiel saw in that valley of dry bones, which God wants us to know. It's going to be the same wind that will walk into those areas of dryness, of deadness, of where it looks like the hope is already gone and all the years are lost. It's going to be the Word. It's going to be the Spirit that begins to cause people to come together and to awaken is an exceeding great and mighty army it's a rushing mighty wind begin to blow in that room I don't know I just imagine you know it wasn't a natural wind that came inside of a window where the curtains were blowing in I believe the curtains were being blown out Come on, where's that wind coming from? I don't know but I hear a noise up there I hear the praises of God in my own language now, all of a sudden, the fire rested upon each one of their heads. That same fire, that burning torch that stood as Abraham slept, didn't do anything to deserve it, didn't do anything to receive it. He just agreed with it. Abraham, I'll make a covenant with you, and this covenant's going to be in a night vision. You're going to have a dream, and there were two halves, and I'm going to stand in the middle. I'm going to provide. There's a sacrifice that's made, and I'm going to ultimately provide the sacrifice, but I'm going to stand between the two halves, and I'm going to burning torch comes in. The fire of the Holy Spirit is going to remind you, and I... We are the inheritors of the kingdom of God. That same fire that protected them from the Pharaoh's army there at the Red Sea that caused light to shine upon them and kept the enemy at bay was the same light that guided them through the, through the Red Sea and all the way through the wilderness. That same fire that fell upon Moses' temple there in the tabernacle and consumed the sacrifice. They did not provide the fire. God provided the fire. Oh, it's the same fire, church, that fell there in Solomon the king, the son the altar in the in the temple when he crawled out he did not provide the fire God provided the fire and it fell there it's the same fire that Elijah when he stood there and he called the nations to a challenge and he said if you 
If you can produce a fire, then go ahead and produce it. But I know the one. I know the one. And when he called out in prayer, all of the sudden fire came down and consumed that sacrifice. And Jesus said, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go because there's a fire kindling. There's a fire I want to give you. There's a fire church. It's a refiner's fire. It burns up the past. It, it takes care of all the, 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 the filthy thinking. It tells you that you're underworthy and you're undeserving. Fire. John said, look, I just baptized you with water. It's all I got. It's all I got. I just baptized you with water. Let's see, I'm going to do what... But all of the old covenant teaching in the Torah was saying instruction. We are pointing to the one who will baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire. Joel said, I, Joel said, I, declaration of God's word, I will restore the years. Guarantee, not just what's coming. My inheritance or your inheritance, I will restore. Almighty God. Almighty God. Almighty God. Almighty God. Mighty God. Almighty God. Almighty God. I want you to stand. I want you to stand.
And I just want to invite you right now to come down, no matter who you are. Just find a place and kneel before God and say, Lord, I receive this word. I receive this word of restoration. That, Lord, you will fully restore me. That this is the morning of a new day for me. I want you to come right now. Just say, I just feel the heart of the Father reaching out. Just reaching out with open arms saying, come on, child. Come on, child. Come on, child. I love you. Come on, child. I want to restore you. Come on. Come on. These altars are open. Worship team is going to come up if they're able and just begin to play. Just begin to play right now. Just want you to come and let the Lord love on you right now. Come on. Let the Lord love on you. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't. I couldn't even fathom. I couldn't even tell you all the ins and the out. God has a much greater detail, but what I'm saying to you is those years, those years that seem to be so far out of reach, God said, I'm going to put, I'm going to put them back. I'm going to put them, come on, mama. I'm going to put them back. Come on, daddy. I'm going to put them back. Uh, you're you're going to see, you're going to see, you're going to see. Come on. I know there's more in here right now. Come on. Let's find a, let's find a place to get along with God. Let's find a place right now to get along with God and say, Lord, I, I 